0: that we are all children of God. We do not uh, uh, accept that for a moment, because we are created by God, and we are created in his image. All of that is correct, and there is stamped upon every human being the likeness of God and the ability to worship God. But by nature, we're sinners. We are fallen, corrupt, and we all need new hearts. Now, we need to be born again and brought into God's family. And I hope that that is true of you, that you can refer to yourself as a brother, a sister, a believer in the body, in the family of Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, And I trust that today God will minister to our hearts through his own word. We're turning to Hebrews 13, verse 4, to that command of the scriptures, let brotherly love continue. And I hope that that will be true in your heart and in your home, that the love of Christ will constrain you and make you one who will show forth the love of the Lord Jesus in your every action, every word, and every demeanor. No moodiness, no crankiness, no madness of the world, but the true love of Jesus shining through your life. That's the plan and purpose of God as you live for his honor and glory. And So stay tuned today as we bring the message. We are also going to a little thought on substitution as we look at Calvary, and we have Alan McGill to sing, This Love Is Mine. So stay tuned as we go to the message on brotherly love. Hebrews 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. That is the theme of our meeting tonight. The first time that I went to a gospel preaching church was in that town of Omah that you have heard Reverend Mercer is going to. And to that church, the Free Presbyterian Church, and it was there that I first heard people referring to one another as brother and sister. Now, prior to that, I thought that was Roman Catholic. I thought that that's something that nuns in a nunnery would do or monks in a monastery would do and they would refer to themselves as sister so-and-so and and brother so-and-so. But why would Protestants, why would free Presbyterians and Bible believers do that? Well, we see right here in Hebrews 13 verse 1, let brotherly love continue. And this is biblical for Bible Christians to call one another brother or sister— Now, we worship and trust in the same God. He is our Father, and therefore, you are my brother, and you are my sister. We are in the family, the family of God, all by grace, because we are redeemed and saved. Now, this all presupposes, of course, that we are born again, that we are adopted into the family of God by grace and by the new birth, and therefore we are the children of God. Now, that is contrary to the notion that we are all children of God. We do not uh, uh, accept that for a moment, because we are created by God and we are created in his image. All of that is correct. And there is stamped upon every human being the likeness of God and the ability to worship God. But by nature, we're sinners. We are fallen, corrupt, and we all need new hearts. Now, we need to be born again and brought into God's family. And I hope that that is true of you, that you can refer to yourself as a brother, a sister, a believer in the body, in the family of God. Now, this text, therefore, saying, let brotherly love continue, it deals with the mutual responsibilities and the duties of of the children of God to one another. Family means family members first. There is an added duty and responsibility that we have to each other by virtue of being in the family of God saved by grace. Now, there's a text for that. Galatians 6, verse 10. And you'll notice here how the apostle puts it. Galatians 6, verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, we know we're to pray for our enemies. We are to pray for the ungodly. We're to pray for the nations. But there is a deeper level of responsibility— to seek the good, the encouragement of the Lord's own people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what I want us to look at here this evening, this special responsibility of being a fellow Christian. The first thing to look at here tonight are the privileges of brotherly love. Now, you're in the family of God— by the new birth through faith in God's Son, you are a joint heir with Christ. There are great privileges. And so you are, as a Christian, in the best family in all of the world. It's like the explorer who, uh, under attack from savage people on a foreign land, when he saw a church building and he saw that there were people around it, he dashed to that church building for safety. And that ought to be the testimony of the Christian church everywhere. You should find a spiritual haven, a refuge, where God's people, Christians, meet. Now, of course, we have to begin by saying that Christians are not perfect— And all of God's children struggle with inner sins. And there is the old nature still there. There are roots of pride, hurt, infirmities of our natures that still plague us, just as there are frailties in our bodies. You will not find a perfect body in this church tonight. Uh, Some of us have all kinds of physical problems. Some are Uh, just pushing themselves to do the normal things of daily life, because we're not perfect in the body. And of course, in this side of heaven, we're not perfect in the soul as, as well. We battle against sin. We confess sin. You come to the prayer meeting of this church, you ought to hear Christians, brothers and sisters, confessing their faults. The book of James tells us to confess our faults one to another. You know, the people that stand up and say, I'm good, I'm perfect, I'm right. Well, that's not going to lead to fellowship and harmony. But when we come acknowledging our frailties and our emptiness, then we need each other, and we need the support of each of our brothers and sisters. But there's one thing about the family of God, about the fellowship of Christian people. They are the purest people on earth and ought to be. The people of God hate sin. And indeed, the more we grow in grace, the more we grow in the knowledge of the things of God, the more we see the problem of sin even within our own hearts. Now, you'll not find that in the business world. You'll not find that in even the cultural, uh, cultured world of art and music and those places, because sin is really a banished word. The idea of confessing your sin in all those various walks of life, well, it's an unknown and we as Christians live as a rebuke to blasphemers. When you walk through the door of the Christian church and come amongst brothers and sisters, you expect conversation of purity, that these are a people that desire truth and righteousness and to do the will of God. You will also find amongst Christian people those who are trustworthy, A place where you can let even your children go in safety without fear. The Christian church has people who, well, they pay their bills, they pay a hundred cents in the dollar, their word is good all the way to the bank. And that is why hypocrites latch on to aping the Christian life. Because hypocrites who confess that they're a Christian, they seek opportunity to do their evil work. Because when you confess that you're a Christian or pretend that you're a Christian, as hypocrites do, they are putting people off guard. Car salesmen, vacuum-clean salesmen, they all talk a lot about their Christian connections— because they want to sell a car, they want to sell a vacuum because they have the project the image of being trustworthy. Now that hypocrisy couldn't work if it was not generally true that God's people, born again people, gospel minded people are the most trustworthy people in all of the world. They are also the best guides in life. You can walk in their shoes, and you will walk in a right path. If you walk in their footsteps, you will be led in the right direction. Christians are Bereans. They search the Scriptures to see if these things be so, if they be correct and godly. And so, when you fellowship amongst God's people, Christian people, you are in good company. They're also the best for spiritual growth. Fellowship amongst brothers and sisters, godly Christians, is required for growth, and you want to be in the fellowship of the saints because there you grow. If you go back in Hebrews chapter 10, verse twenty four, twenty five. you will see the exhortation to uh, provoking one another unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. So, to provoke unto love and to good works, and all is done in the fellowship of the saints. And it is even more necessary when the days around us are evil. You'll notice at the end of verse 25, the plea, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now, I think we would have full agreement here tonight that we're living in a world that is ungodly, that morality has been thrown out. It's becoming more difficult to know truth from error and to stand up for truth. And it's in these days that we need each other's fellowship, that we need to be exhorting and encouraging one another all the more. When you stay home from church, when you stay home instead of entering into the fellowship of the saints, you put yourself at risk, but you also discourage the people of God who are serving the Lord. I heard of an old minister who was informed of a member in the church who had been absent for a considerable time. And it was probably the elders who said to him, well, maybe it's time for the pastor to go along and visit that gentleman and try and find out what's wrong and encourage him back to church again. Well, what he did, he knocked on the door and he went in, and there was the gentleman sitting at the fire. And this elderly minister just sat down at the fire with him, and after a few minutes of conversation, he took out of his pocket a little bag, and inside there was just one lump of coal. And he went over, and he put that lonely black lump of coal on the fire. And then he sat, and he watched it as it, first of all, smoked a little and then it reddened, and it joined in in the heat of the grate of the fire. And then he prayed, and he left. He never mentioned his absence, but he got his message over, that if you are on your own, you will lose the heat and the fire of your Christian life. Christian Company is also best for rewards. Let's turn to Matthew 25 and to verse 20. Matthew 25 and verse 20. Now, there's about 10 verses here I want to read, and we will find that they really tell their own story. Now, the point as we read this is that talents that are hidden— they bring no reward. And Christian fellowship is making use of our talents. Let's begin at verse 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath the ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that he hath. And cast the unprofitable servant into utter darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, the men who used their talents, they were rewarded. The man who buried his talent was cast out. Now, I want you to put that in the context of Christian fellowship and of encouraging your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Brotherly relations brings responsibility because you're in the body. Back in Hebrews 13 and verse 3, you will see how this is emphasized. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Once you are a Christian, you have a responsibility to the members in the body. You cannot just live to yourself, do as you please, saying, my time is my own. No, let brotherly love continue is the command that is given here. Now, having looked at uh, these things already the responsibilities that are upon those who profess to be Christians and who want to be encouragers. There are also the pressures of brotherly love. To keep up brotherly love will take time. Time is the very first dis- discipline that will be required. We know that to keep up a good friendship— will take more than 50% of the relationship. If you wait for them to call you, well, it may not happen. But if you undertake to call them, if you take the initiative, if you take the first step, then you can keep that friendship going. Brotherly love will also by be tested. And a man of course is known by his friends. And there are some careful words of advice that are given in God's Word. Here's a proverb in chapter twenty-five, seventeen: Withdraw thy foot from thy brother's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. Be careful. Don't overstay your welcome. Remember those boundaries of good relationship and friendship, and don't overstep them. Respect, honor, regard for a person's own sanctuary. Remember them. Another good guide is don't sell your used car to a friend. I know a young doctor, and he had a car that he was changing, and he decided that he would sell it really cheap to his pastor. And when Uh, his pastor took over ownership of it. It was no time until the thing broke down. And he came back to him and said, you know, I've had a problem with this car. What am I going to do? Well, in kindness and in generosity, uh, that young doctor decided that he would pay for the repair of it. uh, But still, it was giving problems, and it wasn't really a blessing. And so, if you're going to keep good friendships, it's best not to sell that used car to a friend. The other piece of advice is to have good neighbors. Make sure you build good fences. It's just common sense. If you're going to keep up a good relationship, make the boundaries and respect those boundaries. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher, and we're dealing today with Calvary. We're coming up to the Easter time, and we want to think about our Lord Jesus suffering, bleeding, and dying for us upon the cross. One of the key words in understanding the doctrines of the gospel is substitution, the Lord Jesus suffering and dying in our place. Here's a key text in 1 Peter 2.24 on this subject of substitution. Who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, so that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And this is really the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel that the Lord Jesus took the sinner's place in his own body. The Lord Jesus suffered not for his own sins, not to make himself accepted with God, because he had no sin, and he always had acceptance with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and went to the cross, even unto death. And and it is, I know, unfathomable that the God of heaven would come down into this world, take a human body, and so suffer. But that was God's amazing plan of recovery. And the Lord Jesus took our place, became our substitute for sin, and everything that Jesus endured at the cross was in our place. Everything that the Father poured out upon his Son in wrath and punishment when he spared him not, it was in our place that Jesus stood. And what we should have endured, Christ has borne, in his own body on that tree. And this is the wondrous power and beauty of the gospel. Let us not miss it. Let us not be so caught up in controversies and confusion. Let us not be so taken up with our own activity in Christian things and lose sight of what Christ accomplished on that tree in our place. In our place condemned he stood. This is the purpose and plan of the gospel, and if you miss substitution, you'll never, ever understand what Christ accomplished, and you'll never be saved, because it is by faith in Jesus' work as our substitute that we are reconciled to God. Take this to heart. Let it sink in and rest in the work of Jesus that he suffered in your place on that tree. Now let's turn to another song on Calvary.
1: We may sound the depths of all the mighty ocean. We may tell the distance to the the star, but the mighty love of God cannot be measured. Its dimensions are so high, so deep, so far. This love is mine, I cannot comprehend this love revealed in Christ my Lord divine. When on the tree he died for me God's wondrous, glorious, mighty love, this love is. I behold his love in every golden sunset
0: Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on One Eighty Eight Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on the station as we Let the Bible Speak.